Hello and welcome. It's uh, Christmas is done for another year, but the new year is around the corner. And we're here to look ahead to Liverpool's latest, The Football Never Sleeps, at this time of year. Joining me, Neil Jones, to talk about the next two games with Liverpool, plus a little bit of Virgil van Dijk and a little bit of Rian Brewster as well, I think, along the way, will be our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. From home, from his sickbed. James, you OK? Battling on, Neil. Battling on, you're an absolute trooper. He's a, If you do fantasy football this weekend, James is rated as an orange. He's a, a slight doubt for the weekend, but uh, we expect him to, to shake off the knock and and, uh, and be fit to take I'm, his place at Anfield tomorrow. I'm, I'm not sure I actually want to sit beside him, to be honest. Well, there you go. You don't have to for this podcast, at least, Andy. <laughs> that is Andy Kelly, our Liverpool editor as well. How are you, Andy? Are you a little bit better than James there? I'm a bit better than James. If I end up in a coughing fit, I apologise in advance. Well, there you go. That's it. Well, to be fair, it adds to the, the mystique <laughs> of the podcast, doesn't it? It, it brings uh, what Brendan Rodgers might call character to the proceedings. Um, James, I'll start with you. Um, you have been down at Melwood this afternoon to hear from Jürgen Klopp. Uh, well, I, well, we'll let you have free reign on this one. What's he had to say? Uh, not surprisingly, um, obviously Virgil van Dijk featured reasonably prominently. I was a bit surprised, actually. He, he didn't. It wasn't a completely... Uh, Van Dyke show. I was expecting. Uh, I think Klopp as well was probably expecting to be quizzed to a, a great degree on on Van Dyke. But um, yeah, I think he was the, the, the main. The main gist of it was, you know, him playing down the the significance of this of this transfer fee. I think you know, he, he 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 described it as you know it's. I don't think it particularly sits easily with him spending seventy five million pounds on a on a footballer. I think it's been well documented that. You know, he he's always been a manager who's prided himself on nurturing and developing talent rather than spending big bucks on on the finished article. But um, you know, he, he talked about how the market had changed significantly um, even in the last six months. I think you know, you, you see the, the the Neymar deal and and everything that kicked on from that, um, and just the fact that this was this was the market price for a for a top class centre back and one that he's. Uh, very much delighted to have on board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Van Dyke will be at Anfield tomorrow, won't he, to, to see the Leicester game as well? So, will uh, the, the photographers will get their first glimpse of him at Anfield? Yeah, we're expecting him to uh, to be there. Of course, he's not officially a Liverpool player until until Monday, but he's uh, you know he's been been on the south coast the last couple of days, tying up a few loose ends down there, and yeah, we're expecting expecting to see him in the director's box there on uh, on Saturday afternoon, and then obviously. Once, once that New Year's Day trip to Burnley is out of the way, um, he'll he'll start to uh, you know to obviously train with the squad. And I think you know, judging by what Klopp said uh, yesterday when he was speaking to the club media, I think um, I think it's pretty clear he's not going to rush him straight in. Um, you know, he, he, I think he, he he talked about obviously Van Dijk hasn't played an awful lot of football uh, this season. I don't think he's played since. Southampton lost heavily to Leicester yeah. um, in mid-December, um, so you know I think he'll be keen to assess him fitness-wise at Melwood next week, um, and also I think the other side of it is obviously adjusting to the style of play. Um, I think when you have to look at the way Klopp dealt with Oxley Chamberlain when he first came in, that um, you know, didn't rush him in, wanted him to to learn what was demanded of him before. 
he threw him in, and uh, it, it certainly sounds like he intends to adopt a, a similar stance with Van Dijk. Yeah, and uh, it's not just Klopp who's been speaking about Van Dijk today. It seems like uh, I, I think the only person who hasn't been contacted yet is Donald Trump for a, an opinion on, on, on Van Dijk, but a lot of Premier League managers have been giving their opinion, Jose Mourinho among them, Pep Guardiola. It's, I mean, regardless of what you what you think of the transfer itself, it, it's certainly one that's got the league taking notice. Yeah, I, I think the timing of it helps for that as well because you were you know, the transfer window hasn't opened yet. You know, <laughs> we we barely. You know, I've still got unopened boxes of Quality Street at home, and, and you know we're not we're, and various other things that we are still in that funny time between Christmas and New Year, which is. Um, it, it, it's a nice time of the year, to be honest. And, and but Van Dyke's the the big show in town, isn't he? And yeah. while it won't go through, to, as Jim says, till till the first, um, it's a chance for obviously the likes of Sky to get all the managers' opinions on it. And you know, plenty have been uh, have been happy to give it. I mean, we've seen Mourinho obviously um, try and have his little dig. Yeah, uh, he su- wasn't going to miss that chance, was he? No, no. you know, suggesting you know, obviously. Harking back to, to to Klopp talking about the fee they they paid for for Pogba, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Guardiola said a bit more today, having obviously yesterday sort of denied that City had been in for him with a sort of a very straight yeah. no, yeah. no, which was a, a no of someone who didn't want to say any more because he didn't want to get caught out. Yeah. Um, didn't want him anyway. Didn't want yeah, him anyway. Yeah, exactly. But he has said today, you know. Liverpool that he thinks you know Liverpool have got a good player. Yeah. Um, amazing was the word he used. Yeah, yeah and, an amazing and player. Thinks that you know the, the fee and whether it's value. He's saying cheap players tend to tend to end up being more expensive than than expensive ones. And this is what I've always you know for years Liverpool tried to buy some players on the cheap, didn't they? Particularly you know you sometimes see them and they'd end up having to. Try three different players in the yeah. position, yeah. spending trying to spend eight million or six and a half million or whatever, and you basically don't end up with a player at all. You get three, yeah. uh, not 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 terrible players, but okay. You get three okay players, none of whom are good enough for Liverpool. And what they should have done is spent twenty to twenty five on on the player you you wanted. Now <laughs> there's plenty we have we we have then gone and spent you know 20 to 25 on some players that yeah. not everybody wanted <laughs> to a certain extent but you generally in the market will get what you pay for i mean we saw we mean and it works both ways man city paid the guts of you would imagine that whatever add-ons were in the raheem sterling fee are being ticked off one yeah, by one so if you if you put that at a 50 million deal you you look at that now and liverpool got good money for sterling but Man City are getting a player who's now flourishing, and yeah. there's nothing. You know, we've seen Liverpool play good money for Sadio Mane when Southampton fans thought, "What? A, you know, we've absolutely had you off there with, you know, yeah. whatever thirty to, or thirty-four, whoever you believed." Um, but I mean, what's Mane worth now? We saw it this summer with Mo Salah, Mo Salah thirty-six point yeah. nine. That looks an absolute steal now. So. These fees are all relative, and I think that's what Klopp's saying about this is the market, and we've got to adapt to it. And yeah. if you know who was it, there was somebody on Twitter yesterday suggested was it Cara suggested it's it's they've only paid two Lindelof monies, yeah. which makes him an absolute, an absolute bargain. So um, you know, loads of people have in there said, I think Eddie Howe was saying he thought it was you know it was too much money, and yeah. I mean, and he every, paid fifteen million for Jordan Ibe. Let's let's. Uh... 
Yeah, Not absolutely. Forget Brad Smith, six million. Yeah, so look, it, everything about this fee depends on how Van Dyke does, doesn't it? If he comes in and is the sort of, for want of a better phrase, the colossus we want him to be in the, in the centre of this defence and turns Liverpool from being a very good side into one who can win things, every single penny of it is yeah. worthwhile. James, your Twitter mentions are somewhere that we very uh, rarely want to venture at any stage of the season or indeed the year. But That's the dark net, isn't it's it? The dark net. It's, it's, <laughs> certainly, it's certainly somewhere that scientists are yet to, yet to fully uh, comprehend what's going on down there. But, Jay, what, what's been the reaction to the Van Dyke deal from the Liverpool fans that you've been, you've been seeing on, on your Twitter or you've been seeing you know, around, around the city? Is, is there pretty uniform happiness or is there a scepticism like Andy's sort of alluded to there about can he justify it or can he, can he hit the ground running? I think, kind of strangely for Twitter, it's been almost universally positive. I yeah. think the, um, the only thing that people can find to moan about, I think, in this deal is is the, the fact that the suspicion that, you know, are Liverpool effectively already spending what they will bank at some point in the next 12 months for Philip Coutinho? I think that, that you know, I'd say probably 80% of, of, the, of, the, of the comments I've seen on the stuff I've written have, have been supremely positive. I think it's, it, it, you know, I, I think I did a piece yesterday saying about how it was, a, you know, probably the biggest statement of ambition yet from the owners. Um, yeah. and, you know, and I think I think that's that's the way most people look upon it. I think you know, Van Dyke was someone who fans were desperate for Liverpool to sign last summer. Obviously, it was well documented what went on then. And you know, and I think you know a lot of people felt then that, that, that you know how many times have we heard you know Liverpool missing out on a player and and then you know they'll go back in for him and it, it just never happens. And the you know the, it's too often in recent years Liverpool have ended up having to settle for. The second best, and as Andy said before, you know, you know the old saying about you know if you, you you buy cheap, you end up buying twice. And you know on this occasion, you know they they haven't. They <coughs> stuck to their guns, um, and Klopp's got his man. And you know I think it, it, it certainly vindicates his decision not to go and buy another centre half at the end of last summer. Um, you know it, it it shows why why he was prepared to sit tight and wait because he was obviously confident of this deal. Would still happen, and and I think it's it's a massive statement as well about the direction the club's going in. The fact that that you know, despite what Guardiola might have might have claimed, um, you know, Man City were 100% in for him. They they contacted Southampton about him in the last fortnight. Um, obviously, there was interest from Chelsea as well, Arsenal. Although I don't think that was ever really an attractive proposition for him. Um, you know, the fact that Van Dijk was was so desperate to to come and play for Klopp. You know, I think his is a is a is a massive positive one, and I think that's why you know it, it's one of those signings that I don't think I don't think many people can find anything really to uh, to moan about. And it, and Jonesy, the other thing is it, it ticks off number three, isn't it? And those you know three players that Klopp wanted. Yeah. You know he, he got he got Salah fairly quickly. Um, obviously, Roma were a club who needed to sell at that time. Cater was protracted, and eventually got done, albeit with him arriving at the end of the season. And Van Dijk, which was very, very protracted, has seen him actually arrive quicker than Cater. Um, but obviously following on from the whole scenario where it looked like it was never going to happen whatsoever. So um, you've got to... I mean, 
Michael Edwards isn't a name that's been massively toted around in the last yeah. in the last few days, and it's, it'd be interesting to to sort of see exactly how much credit in terms from the club side of things is is given to Michael Edwards. He was pilloried for yeah. the handling of Van Dyke Mark One. Yeah, and not without justification as well. You'd have to say, you, from what we know, yeah. certainly. So, and I know James has written in his stuff about Mike Gordon being instrumental in, in repairing that relationship and we spoke about that on the pod the other night um, but you know Michael Edwards' job is to sign these players and eventually with some ricks in the road he has signed them so um, yeah you know reserve judgment maybe in yeah. terms of, of that but there's certainly you know de facto there would appear to have been success there for him Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm sure we'll get plenty more opportunity to speak at length about Virgil van Dijk in the coming days and weeks and months and hopefully years as well at Liverpool. Um, Should we move on to more immediate matters then in terms of the Leicester game? Um, We've just left Christian Walsh in the office to come and do this podcast, Andy, and one of the last things he said to you, I heard, was... Are you outing him now? I'm going to out him. He said Liverpool are going to struggle against Leicester tomorrow. He said absolutely 100% Liverpool will struggle against Leicester. Now, is that him being the assuming the Ian Doyle playmaker role of, of uh, negativity, just spreading negativity across the park, or has he got a point? I think um, it's not like Christian, to be fair. He's normally one of our more positive <laughs> yeah, he's, vibes. Maybe he's know. learned the lesson from them, them bold predictions <laughs> yeah, he keeps making. Yeah. Um, I think it's an acknowledgement that Leicester have given us problems before. Yeah. I think... They're not in the worst of form, albeit I know they, they got beat at Watford, but they're a side who showed real character to come back and get a yeah. um, you know a draw with United. Yeah. They ran, ran over Virgil van Dijk Southampton, as James alluded to earlier as well. Absolutely. Uh, and they, I think they had they had a little run at the start of December where they won three Premier League games in the trot. And when I looked at the table, I, I have to say I was surprised to see them. They're... they're Level with Everton on uh, their eighth. I think yeah. they're a few points behind Everton, maybe, but they're they're certainly just one place behind Everton. So yeah. you, you know, you're basically top six, Everton, um, and uh, and Burnley. and Burnley and 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 Leicester, aren't you? So yeah. it's well, Everton and ninth, I think, aren't they, Everton? Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, so I think Leicester will either be tenth or eighth. Yeah, they're 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 right there with with yeah. Everton. I think they must be tenth then, yeah. but I think they're on twenty seven points. I think I looked at or something yeah, like that. So that's what Everton's got. Yeah. Um. So so, so the level with, with 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 Everton and you know maybe from obviously this is a side that changed their manager in the, in this season um, to um, obviously Claude Puel and I did a little piece earlier about yeah. um, uh, not to. Bore him with lots of facts, but I mean, he is he is the one of the most successful managers ever against Liverpool. He's played six games, uh, and he's undefeated, three wins and three draws. Coupled with Leon, back in the day, yeah, and, I remember them well. Yeah, and uh, he got he got the goals ninety minutes plus in both the both those Champions League first round group games, and obviously what he did with. Southampton last year, which was two nil nils in the Premier League, which you know won't live long in the memory for all Liverpool. Certainly should have won the one at St Mary, shouldn't they? Yeah. And then obviously won both the League Cup uh, semi-final legs one nil, albeit at a time when Liverpool were really struggling. But they were part of that. So well, they, they you know. sort of brought that on, didn't they? Liverpool, uh, yeah. Southampton, they almost they accelerated the, the 
the decline in Liverpool last season. Absolutely. So there's only, I mean, there's only of managers who've, who've played Liverpool five times or more. There's only three uh, plus him who've ever emerged um, who, who who remain unbeaten. One of them's Rafa Benitez. Yeah. Uh, is is and then a um, a couple from way back in the. Uh, I think one is a guy called George Bentley and one's a guy called Alan. I, I wrote him a piece earlier, but that's you're going back to 1912 for one of them and 1952 for the <laughs> nice, other. Okay. So essentially, what we're saying is Claude Puel has generally got good results against Liverpool. Uh, the Reds need to make sure that that changes tomorrow and that record comes to an end. Yeah. And, um, you know, while Leicester, I think, have a threat and Christian has a point, I think if Liverpool turn up with the right attitude, which I think they will. Um, you know, I, I can still see Liverpool winning this game. I have to say, Leicester are different than some teams in that they have more threat than some teams, yeah. don't they? Especially with the top two. I mean, Vardy and Mahrez, obviously. I mean, what's you might know about the media, but Vardy has scored too many goals against Liverpool. Yes, he regularly scores, doesn't he? Yeah, thankfully he missed a penalty in the the last meeting as well down in uh, down at King Power. Yeah, I mean, this is the sort of decider of three, isn't it, James? Because Obviously, they beat us in the Carabao, um, which was a you know, fairly terrible performance from Liverpool. And then, you know, a few days later, Liverpool got the win in the uh, in the in the Premier League. Albeit, it was a game with a lot of ups and downs. That wasn't it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, we should, to be honest, Liverpool should have should have beaten them there in the League Cup. They you know, absolutely dominated the first half of that game. I remember, and you know, wasted wasted chances and end up paying the price. And then, yeah, the second one a few days later was. Were very eventful with, as Neil said, Mignolet's penalty save, saving the day. But it was, yeah, it was one of those times this season where you know they did, they did have a real wobble from a from a position of of total control. And you know, Leicester definitely have, they have, they definitely have that in them to, to to do that to teams because of just how dangerous they are going forward. And I think it is a dangerous fixture for Liverpool. I think you know you. You, you look at Mares and you just wonder whether, you know, with the January window on the horizon, he he looks like he's enjoying like a, a real purple patch at the moment. Obviously, Vardy's got an excellent record against Liverpool, and it's you know they they you know I, I don't think they'll, they'll just, they won't just come and and try and shut up shop like West Brom did recently and like Everton did recently. I think I think they will they will come and play, and it's I think it's got the makings of a really really good game. I, Think he'll go? Yeah, you don't. You don't think he'll treat treat Burnley as the, the the more the more testing fixture being away from home, or or the, the fact that Burnley are higher in the table. Well, I mean, if, I just I know I know he, he was quoted yesterday. Klopp is saying, um, you know, 
of talking about how the, 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 the thinking was just for Leicester. And then I think his, his expression was, we will collect the bones yes, that's after, right, yes. after Saturday's game uh, to, to sort out a lineup for New Year's Day. Now, you know, if you, if you ask Klopp, he would tell you that you know, he's got a squad now where he can make five or six changes and it, and it doesn't drastically change the, the quality out there. Um, so I think that it probably will be a bit of a balancing act. But yeah, I, w- I would be very surprised if he didn't go really strong um, and then and, you know, to, from, from the start against Leicester. And then, and then maybe, you know, like he was able to do the other night against, against Swansea, he can, he can make changes with one eye on that Burnley game if, if he can. But, you know, you look at, I think, what was it the other night? Obviously, Milner came on. I think he only played 20, 25 minutes. Solanke the same. See, I think we'll, Adam Lallana will certainly make his first start this season, if not Leicester, then then at Burnley. Um, you know, obviously, Mane wasn't even used at all the other night, so you'd imagine he would he would come in from the start against against Leicester, and the same as someone like Lovren, who obviously was given the day off, and and Joe Gomez as well. So he, you know, he that's that's the one good thing at the moment. Although he has got a few missing, obviously with with Henderson and Moreno still out, he, um, you know, Liverpool are in a much better state of affairs than they were this time last year where you know, I remember the high, after the high of finishing 2016 with that win over Man City everyone came crashing back down to earth very quickly with what, what happened at, at Sunderland 48 hours later I mean the one thing I'd say Jonesy is this is going to be it's going to be exactly the same for Burnley and Sean Dyche's resources you yeah. know, should be considerably fewer well, well he's had uh, Dyche with Burnley has had I think three of his back four and his goalkeeper all injured of late. So he's been playing sort of shadow teams, and we saw them come a cropper than me against uh, Tottenham. You know, yeah, their I mean, great defensive record went up in smoke there. It's interesting because they, <clears throat> I mean, Liverpool would be absolutely delighted if Burnley played against them the way they played against Spurs because they, mm. you know, Spurs cut them apart. Yeah. Um, for all that there was a you know dodgy enough penalty in the game, wasn't there that got them on their way? Um, but you know, they. I thought they defended superbly at, at Old Trafford yeah. in general. They were a little bit unlucky. They've been done by a great flick by Lingard yeah. initially. And, um, ricochet, and, the and then I sort of, yeah, something that's dropped to him. And he's and even then, it's, you know, a lot of time that shot doesn't go in. It's, you did well, Lingard. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, I thought they were really impressive at Old Trafford. But, you know, they Liverpool, you would think, have to be in a position to cope better with, with the, the whole. You know the number of games coming up, so um, I I think that would help, and I totally agree with Piercy. I I, I think Klopp will. You've got to try and grasp the bird in the hand, haven't you? And the bird in the hand is is Leicester at home. You know that's your that's your three points. You should be you get wanting as your minimum, isn't it? If you mess, if you try and mess that up, and then whatever team you put out against Burnley is under pressure yeah. to get a result and with momentum killed. Whereas if you can go put out a strong team against Leicester, keep your momentum going, and then go in and feel good factor to a tough, tough game at Burnley. Um, you know this isn't the Burnley. This wouldn't be the Burnley shock of second game of the season yeah. last year, where you know obviously from a higher at the Emirates, Liverpool went and got beat, and everyone was crash, crash, crashing down to earth, weren't they? This Burnley side obviously were in the Champions League places for a week or so. Um, they're a good side. Dyche fancy setting them up to cause Liverpool problems, and no doubt will. Um, you know he'll look to compress the space, uh, regardless of whether they're at home 
and that would be the clever way to play. Um, you know, we saw Leon Britton come with Swansea the other day, yeah. and you know, within about five minutes, I said to Piercy, you know, his line of four and five, the the gap between the midfield and the yeah. the defence was was too much. Yeah. You know, he needed to get that that midfield five or whatever he had at least five yards to ten yards further back to to compress. Because Salah was just finding his pieces yeah. all the way in between and those that's where two the lines. Ball came from. Yeah, so. You know, you'll expect that Dice will have his man. I, I heard someone on the radio suggesting that he was at Old Trafford. He was pacing out before the game, the distance from the halfway line to the edge of his own box, and <laughs> that they were they were trying to work out whether it was it was anything significant, and they couldn't really come up with it. But the obvious thing to me was he was trying to work out exactly where his midfield line should be in, in yeah. terms of protecting space. And um, you know that's he, he he does have things down to that detail, so yeah. it'll be a tough game. But yeah. we couldn't be in much much better form, could we? No. You know, I was going to say. I mean, he couldn't. Um, James James Pierce is in charge of the Echoes football team, and he, his preparation is similarly meticulous. When whenever we play, he he always has these sort of uh, the, these big pre-match team talks. We have a good couple of hours, don't we, before every game, where we go over everything. Not no stone left unturned. I think the highlight, wasn't it, was at the Bebbington Oval when we uh, when we ran out. What was it about three minutes after we were supposed to have already kicked off? And yeah. Did a warm up without a ball. Without a ball, yeah. Without, and, yeah. With, and with only seven players as well, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Shambles, yeah. shambles. Uh, just to let you know, we won one five two that day. <laughs> uh, myself, exactly. and, myself and Pierce both on the score sheet. Makes so. a mockery of all this sports science love. <laughs> <laughs> the sports science boys will be quiet tonight, as you uh, as you say. Um, so let, let's let's talk about the team then, and, and in particular the defence. You you mentioned about being under pressure, players being under pressure. How much pressure is now on Joe Matip, Dejan Lovren, Ragnar Klavan that they know that there's a seventy-five million pound toy about to uh, be unwrapped? I don't in the new year. I mean, I don't think there's much pressure on Klavan because I think I genuinely think he takes it every game he gets as a bonus. Yeah. Because I think he must have come in the knowledge that. He wasn't 100% sure he'd be first choice. But I'm sure Klopp would have said to him, you know, you will get your opportunities because that's the way the game is. And he's had his opportunities. And, you know, obviously he he played the other day and Lovren on the bench. Um, I mean, the game against Chelsea, you know, I gave Clavan a four in ratings and, and yeah. caused a bit of a, a, a stink, but it was absolutely correct. But um, <laughs> but he has, heard it here first. He, has been, uh, he has been good, decent since. Yeah. Um, so fair play to him. Um Matip, I think could could see um, could see him probably you know playing a lot potentially playing alongside Van Dyke. I think the one who's under the most pressure is Lovren, isn't yeah. he? Because um, he's a you know effectively a starting centre half who's been under pressure and highlighted as having had some problems. And um, he most people would probably see in the immediate future him the one whose place could be most under threat. Yeah. And um, you know you have to wait and see how that plays out. Personally, I think Lovren has probably played better than Matip this season. I've been pretty yeah. disappointed in Matip. Although his lows, his lows have been lower, probably. Yeah, Lovren has had an absolute calamities. Yeah. Matip has just been generally underwhelming more often for me, and Lovren has had a few good games. Yeah. So, um, but I think in terms of the balance, you get the feeling that you know Lovren is a is more of a big strong defender, which is where you probably have you know Van Dyke in your in your thing, and Matip is yeah. generally seeing as more of a, a reader of the game, sweeper upper, yeah. upper, bringing it out. Um, so you would think those two work as a partnership, and you know long term, you know, 
Pearcey and I discussed this with Doyle the other night in the pod. I mean, we we, we discussed, you know, to me, Joe Joe Gomez, uh, Virgil Van Dijk is a is a partnership made in made in centre half heaven for me. Yeah, with uh, with your friend Trent at right back that, as well. Uh, well, Doyle really suggested I was only suggesting that so <laughs> Trent could play at right back, but. Um, I, yeah. I really just think it could be a, Nathaniel if, Klein could be back by that point as well. Well, forget. Klein would be playing left back for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have Klein at left back, Trent on the right, Gomez and Van Dijk in the middle. Wow. I, you look at that as a defence, and I'm thinking not getting much chances there. Yeah. I mean, you probably look at Trent as potentially the one who needs to improve defensively, but yeah. that's a that's a good solid back forward to me. Yeah, fair do. James, what about the rest of the team then? Not, not too much wiggle room in that midfield, is there? With with Henderson now out, um, Chan I know was down. At one stage in the Swansea game, he seemed like he got a bit of a knock, but he, he carried on. I think he, he did the full 90, didn't he, Chan? On, he did, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I think, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of responsibility on Chan, obviously, now with, with Henderson being out. I mean, Klopp was a little bit cryptic when he was asked about Henderson today. Um, you know, we, we expect Henderson to be out for a month on the, on the back of that uh, hamstring injury picked up at Arsenal, but Klopp wasn't keen to put any time frame on it. He, he said that Jordan was a quick healer and... And that, um, you know, always say that, don't they? Yeah. Apart, apart from his heel. <laughs> him with any time and time scale, but you know he's he's not going to be involved in the in the, in the near future. And and obviously, you know, although although he is blessed with a lot of uh, you know attacking options midfield wise, he, he hasn't really got so many who can play that that defensive holding role. Um, which I'm, which you know that does that does mean that. Um, you know he'll he'll look to Chan and you know that's you know especially with January could be the month where it's well it could well be confirmed that that, that Chan is heading elsewhere. Obviously from from Monday onwards he could sign a pre-contract agreement with a with a foreign club. And when you when you think Klopp has always said he'll continue to pick Chan for as long as he's convinced he's 100% committed. Will it be be interesting to see whether if he did sign a pre-contract elsewhere whether that would whether that would change things. I think I think the other option, which I, I think he, I remember he, he tried this quite a few times in pre-season. I think, I, mean, I certainly remember over in Hong Kong he did playing Genie Wijnaldum in that, kind of what Klopp yeah. describes as the number six position. Um, so, we, you know, we, we may well, uh, you know, I think, obviously Genie Wijnaldum's been moved around a fair bit with, so he was playing centre-half not long ago against Brighton. And, you know, and I think, I think I think we may well see him. You no, know I I, th- I thought I imagined that, but it did actually happen, <laughs> yeah. didn't it? <laughs> it did happen, yeah. So you just you just wonder whether if it's not if it's not on on Saturday, it could well be at Burnley on Monday that we see Wijnaldum <coughs> in that holding role, and then you know that would free up a spot for you know someone like Lalana to to maybe start alongside Oxley Chamberlain um, if yeah. if he wanted to go that way. I think I think Milner, Milner perhaps. Yeah, Milner, Milner will come into the reckoning and. And it'd be interesting to see whether, whether with Henderson being out for a while, whether it does alter <coughs> Klopp's viewpoint on Marco Gruitch, who, um, you know, I think he was probably 90% definite that he would loan him out in January because, you know, I think he knows that the Gruitch needs to needs to go and play. There was a lot of interest from from Championship clubs and and kind of lower half Premier League clubs, but. You just wonder whether whether even Gruwich may well may well be required over the next uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to say about um, about Wijnaldum. He, he's obviously on a in the good books of the club, and I imagine he's had some sort of impact on the Van Dijk uh, sign. And he was certainly the first to, to tweet his uh, his happiness when the move was confirmed as well. So he can look forward to his mate coming in the new year. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't surprise me. I mean, 
I, I thought he had his best game for ages against Swansea, Wijnaldum, in terms of those games he has where he's always involved winning the ball back and yeah. um, and linking things. And I, I was really impressed with him and um, didn't think he got much credit from, from anyone for what I thought was tremendous display, really. But, um, yeah, um, I mean, if he's... Uh, if he's had the word in the ear, or, or he must have sent, you, you, they're big mates, and yeah. you know, there's no way he hasn't asked his mate what's it like at Liverpool, and he's given the right message. So, um, you know, fair play to that. I mean, who knows how initial contacts have been made with players? It often used to be through. Um, we've we've seen in players' books that often it was on international duty that they yeah. were um, they would speak to players or I've seen it I've seen it through reporters where they've got journalists to, to get in touch with uh, with players as well I've seen Kevin Sheedy told me a story about uh, an, an old um, Echo journalist getting in touch from Howard Kendall to Kevin Sheedy well so I mean the the, the, the methods are, are there and you know who knows if Ginny Wijnaldum was any form of intermediary but you know he'll have been asked his opinion by Van Dijk and uh, yeah. fair play to Ginny he's got his mate there and hopefully we did our sort of half season assessments a couple of weeks back or a week or so ago and I actually put Ginny Wijnaldum down as my disappointment of the season and it might have been a little bit harsh but it, it was mainly mainly because I have such high hopes for him as a player and I actually thought given you know that great ending to the season he had last season, banging that one in against Middlesbrough, massively important. And he's had a good season. I just thought he could really go on yeah. and become... I don't see him as a Premier League superstar. Do you know what I mean? Genuine album, he just plays in the Premier League. Um, I think he can has the talent. If he really, really had... He, he's smiley and nice and all those things. I want him to be really... You know, yeah, driven. be driven. I'm just not sure. I think he, he, he there's, a, there's a touch of... It's often said about Dutch players, isn't it, that they maybe yeah. lack that that other side of the game, and I just want them to do a bit more. And I thought we saw a bit of that against Swansea. Yeah. He's got one goal, I think, this season, hasn't he? Wijnaldum. Is that right, James? He's got one one goal so far. Uh, I'll take your word for it, Neil. That yeah. sounds about well, right. There you go. It's, an, it's another on-check fact yeah, from the I blood. Yeah, he's got one goal, and I think it was against uh, Huddersfield uh, at the uh, the cop end off the underside of the bar. I think that's the only one he's got all season long. For someone with such talent, you'd imagine more from that. Yeah, I mean, he should be getting more than that, shouldn't yeah, he? And, yeah. uh, and he says, I think he'll play tomorrow. I, I can see Oxlade Chamberlain starting against uh, Leicester as well. And um, I'm not. I wonder whether he'd actually potentially. I know James Wright say oh, the importance of Chan, but I wondered after a long, tough enough game for him with a couple of knocks against Swansea, maybe saving. Save his bones for Burnley and maybe throw Milner alongside Oxlade Chamberlain and uh, and Wijnaldum. But yeah. he's got, he, you know, he's got, he has got, you know, players he can juggle, which you tend to think Dice certainly doesn't have as many, does he? No, absolutely not. Nor should he. Nor should he. Um, one other thing that was discussed at uh, Jurgen Klopp's press conference today, and and good on. Whoever asked the question, and good on Jürgen Klopp for answering the question as well, but it was about Rian Brewster and about his um, quite, I, th- I think we can say, remarkable interview with, in The Guardian, or certainly um, certainly compelling interview with The Guardian about the, the racial abuse that he suffered uh, on numerous occasions, both for club and country over the recent weeks, or recent months, should I say. James, uh, what was Klopp's reaction to that and, and the message that he got out there? And, 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 and obviously... Um, what are your thoughts on on what Rian had to say as well? Yeah, well, I think first of all, you know, Klopp was you know keen to make it abundantly clear that that Rian Brewster's got the 
the, you know, the, the total backing and support of, of everyone at Liverpool. You know, I think um, he, he praised him for, for speaking out like he has done, and I, I think rightly so because it takes you know a lot of guts and, and courage for a 17-year-old kid to to decide to, to do a, an interview like like the one he did with the with the Guardian that that went out on Thursday because um, you know it's, it's it's absolutely horrendous what he's been subjected to this season. I think. You know, we we all knew what what happened at, at Prenton Park a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I, you could you could tell at the time that something serious had happened just by, you know, just how incensed he was after the final whistle when staff and teammates were were trying to hold him back. And obviously, we knew subsequently that that Liverpool had made the official complaint to to UEFA. But I think you know what was you know what was just you know most striking about that interview was. Just the sheer number of times he's been subjected to. I think he, you know, yeah. he said he pinpointed seven occasions, five of which yeah. I think had happened in the last seven or eight months, either with Liverpool or with, <coughs> with England under 17s. And just it's just absolutely, you know, just disgusting, isn't it? That you know, in this day and age, it's it's still such a hot topic. And I think you know what 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 is so important about the fact that he, he he's chosen to speak up. Is you know the fact that hopefully it does shame UEFA and FIFA in, into taking action because for far too long it has just been swept under the carpet, hasn't it? I think you know I was over in in Moscow um, when yeah. they played Spartak in the UEFA Youth League, and that day Bobby Adekanye was subjected to monkey taunts when he came onto the field, and you know subsequently you know the, the punishment was shutting down 500 seats in their academy stadium. And, and putting up a flag talking about you know e- equality and and, and anti-racism and you know that's that's just an absolute joke considering that you know that there was there was a probably two or three thousand empty seats that day so how is that possibly any kind of punishment or yeah. deterrent and um, you know I think I mean, the other thing that Klopp said which I think is important is you know I think he was keen to say it's not not just about punishment but it's also about education as well because. You know, he, I think Klopp said he, he'd never actually come across it in, you know, in terms of his, his day-to-day management. You know, he's always had players from all parts of the world. It's, it's never been an issue that he's had to, to grapple with. But you know, the fact that such a talented, you know, young young kid in Rian Brewster has had to put up with with such such horrific things being said to him. You know, it is it is so so sad. And um, you know, I think. You know, fair play to him for having the having the courage to to speak up, and you you just hope that it does lead to something positive coming out of this. Yeah, Andy, all three of us were at that game, uh, the Sparta game at Prenton Park when it, it happened, and although he was angry, he did manage to restrain himself admirably, given what we now know he had said said to him. Um, he. He's more impressive every time you see him play, and he's more impressive every time you hear him speak as well, isn't he, this kid? Yeah, I mean, fantastic, because if you look at the background to the interview, obviously he essentially has asked to do it, and, and the club have, have have sorted it out for him to do it, and and um, and it does... None of us are... Pe- well, I mean, very minorly in the spotlight, shall we say, in terms of particularly Piercy, in terms of you know social media and that sort of stuff, but, you know... He's someone who's you know wants to be you know he, he's won a World Cup at under seventeen level. He's someone who who people know, and he wants to get that message out about what's happened to him. And the the big line in the interview for me that really stuck and that made me angry was was the fact that 
he says when it happens he just spends his whole night thinking about and it at home day as well. and the next day and I mean that is just that's just horrible it's just horrific do you know what I mean um, and this kid's 17 you know it's not it doesn't seem you know it's not two minutes since he was whizzing around from the back of the academy to play his first game in front of Jurgen Klopp ten minutes at the end and you know he was just an absolute you know just this breath of fresh air when he just arrived and he's gone and then he's you know, got into the 18s, and then he fast-tracked to the 23s. He's gone and won a World Cup for England at under-17 level. And, and people are, are you know, saying the worst things in the world to him, and he's having to go home instead thinking, you know, how fantastic all my hard work is paying off here. I'm on this path that hopefully will make me a very successful professional footballer. He's going home and, and having to think about those things, and um, it's just it's just not on. And... and the message to people like UEFA and look, you can't. People will be angry about trying to, um, you know, identify. But a lot of these things do come from Eastern Europe. There's, there's no point. Let's not yeah. foot around that we've well, seen he, it. He made the point. I think Rian Brewster made the point that in every game that he's played, he didn't think that any of the opponents he played against, where he's received this, had a black player a black in their player. team. So they don't. That that it can that that then sort of feeds the ignorance if you like because you don't you don't have yeah. relationships with player uh, for black players with players yeah. from other cultures and those types of things and this but we've got I mean we've got a World Cup coming up in Russia and now surely FIFA UEFA need to send out this message pretty loud and clear I mean they must they must have their own fears about what could happen yes I know a World Cup will get fans gets fans from around the world arriving and that can change things and you know, these aren't generally going to be massively, I would say, Russian crowds necessarily. You know, it's going to be fans of the two teams involved generally. But they they must send out the message. What Piercy said there about the 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 uh, penalty handed down. That's no penalty at all, as he said. I mean, there has to be yeah. stern and not doing. You know, it must be there in writing straight away. You know, you must know. Um, what what will happen if, if if you go down this road, whether as a player or as um, I mean, and the other thing worrying thing in the interview was Rian's fears that when he has made complaints, that there's been very little investigation of it in terms yeah. of. But well, it was revealed that he'd made one from the World Cup final, wasn't it, in against Spain for England under 17s, and and that the FA that case has been dropped, but the FA have never been told that it's been dropped. Which is unbelievable <laughs> in such a high-profile game, and. And you know, and there was another one. I think I'm not sure if it was a severe one he mentioned, but where Liverpool, none of the Liverpool staff or players have been interviewed about it yet. I mean, one of the difficult things we should say is gathering evidence, because you know he mentions the one against the Spartak player where he leaned down and, and yeah. said it to him. So essentially, that's probably only what's the phrase, uh, hearable or yeah, uh, yeah. Audible. 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 Thank you, James, for uh, it's been a long week, mate. Um, <laughs> but the, that's, that's probably only audible to Rian and to the alleged culprit, the Spartak captain. So um, it is difficult to, to prove sometimes, but it doesn't. you don't get the impression that UEFA are bending over themselves to try. No, That's, no, uh, no, absolutely so. not. And hopefully, hopefully, as, as uh, we said at the top of this, hopefully 
people like Ryan Brewster and, and other high-profile uh, young footballers or football figures speaking about this will help shine lights on places that UEFA and FIFA would rather it wasn't shown. Totally. Um, uh, to end on a more a more upbeat note, should we, should we look, just finally look ahead to the game tomorrow then and, and ask for our predictions? Uh, Christian Walsh is um, going to sit in a darkened room with a towel over his head and, and <laughs> wait, until, wait until five o'clock. He's going to be like... Um, the likely lads avoiding avoiding the yeah, the scores until match of the days on. What about you, James? Are you uh, are you a bit more confident Liverpool can get a good uh, good win to end the year? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I just think it's got the makings of another really open game. Um, I can't see either either side keeping a clean sheet. I I, I, just, I just think the Liverpool are on a roll at, at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think I'll go for Liverpool three one. I think three one, Andy. I, I quite like Pearcey's three one to be honest. Yeah. I think it is going to be a hard game. I think if it is a three one, I think it's a you know like a, yeah. a hard three one where I can see it being two one for quite a while and then you know possibly Liverpool getting one on the way. I can see it three one or even like a four two. But what I do think is that I'd be astonished if Sadio Mane is not in the starting lineup and I think he's going to have a massive impact on the game tomorrow. I think he will be. I think he will be fired up and ready to. Sort of remind us of what a player he is and what a, what a, what a player he will be, and you know he hasn't been in just his ideal form, but yeah. um, I think tomorrow is the day Mane gets back in the spotlight. Oh, very good, very good. Well, I'll go for a full house as well. I think Liverpool will win, and I think it might. I'll go against James. I think it might be the irony of all ironies in the week that they sign a seventy-five million pound defender. I think they keep a brilliant clean sheet against Vardy, Mares, and Co. And win, well, win two or three nil. We should point out again. We don't want to scud them, touching wood here, but you know, three home goals conceded in the Premier yeah. League, the best of any side in the Premier League, and um, you know. It, it's not for conceding goals at Anfield that they've bought probably yes. Virgil van Dijk certainly not this season yeah absolutely absolutely well thanks guys thank you very much James for braving uh, your your cold and holding the phone to your ear for a good 50 minutes there thanks a lot no worries, I'll get back on the Sudafed. <laughs> yeah, see you tomorrow, mate. Yeah, and thanks a lot, Andy Kelly, as well. Thank you as well for listening to the what will be the last Blood Red of, uh, of 2017. We'll be back after the Burnley game for the first one of 2018 and hopefully to talk about a couple of Liverpool victories. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.